A pastor, a poet, and a community builder start a text thread. This may seem like the start of a bad joke, and in some ways, it might be. But instead, what happened was the formation of an idea. How do we, especially as people of faith, have conversations on hard topics? What does it look like when we disagree, or worse yet, when we are wrong? As we kept talking, we thought this could be helpful to show an open and honest look at how these discussions happen, what to do when contention arises, and how to keep looking at the world through the lens of the gospel. Welcome to Everyday Elephants, where we talk about the big things in the room. Today, we are talking about cancel culture. But before we get to that, how are you guys doing? Guys, we're at Best Practices. We are. I was actually kind of nervous at first because I thought only Mary Daring was going to show up. That's right. Your mom. We still would have done it just for her. Just exactly. For her, which is more than enough. We yeah. love you, yeah. but thank you all for being here today as we're talking about this. I'm doing good. I love Best Practices. But I promised my wife while I was here I was going to limit how much food I take. That's right. It is Best Practices is the place where you go, hey, I've started that New Year's diet, and then you hit Best Practices and go, and now I've quit. Which, yeah, exactly, which was a horrible decision to make. I don't know why I chose to do a diet two, three weeks and ago. And as you can tell, out of the three of us, Tanner really has got to get back on the horse. Yeah, so. seriously. Dude. <laughs> but anyways, I'd like to talk about some things that I do love at Best Practices, the food, the stuff that I'd love to have. Have you had those like coconut ice oh, cream the things? sorbets? Come on. Mm, I'm pretty oh. sure they just make those in Let's Arizona, go. right? Like I've never seen that anywhere else. I don't know. Tanner? Did someone just say Costco? Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> See, I thought I came to Arizona just for those things, yeah. and now everything's ruined for me. No need to come back, I guess. I don't know. We'll come back. All right. Because they only have them in Arizona Costco's. Oh, yeah, got so it. It's a national kind of thing. Oh, that's how they do it. Yeah. This yeah. is a good time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've we were, As we were talking, it was the last time we were here was right before the pandemic. And so this is like the bookend of the pandemic. It's done, right? right? So it's yeah, over. So yeah. we're all, yeah. Yeah. we're all here together. Hopefully. We're back. Yeah. Now, as we're here and as we're doing our first live podcast, again, either going to be great or a straight dumpster fire. Um, it could be somewhere in the middle. A, a small dumpster fire. A trash can fire. A medium, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like a little hot bag of poop on the front step. Got it. <laughs> um, I'm glad they laugh up. at your jokes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I have not been laughed at a lot, and I've been laughed at too much. I'm fine with whatever. Yeah, yeah. Some would say I'm just happy to be here. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Nice. That's branding, so. So we had the ability, as we put together this uh, session... There's an app, the Hoover app. It gave us a chance to do a poll. And so while not everyone may have answered the poll, here's what we found out. We said, let's talk about cancel culture, and let's kind of put it on three rungs, right? Let's say, what are the different ideas? So we ended up with 43 answers to the poll, or the three responses to what you think about cancel culture is, cancel culture has become a big problem in our society. Cancel culture is an issue but it is taken out of proportion, and cancel culture is played up and is not an issue like some would say it is. And what we found is as we put that out, out of 43, 29 people said cancel culture is a major problem. 12 hit that middle of it's taken out of proportion, but it's there. And only two said it's not as big an issue as we're led to believe. So where do you guys fall on that? Well, I think before we dive into this, let's talk about what cancel culture is. Smart. Right. Maybe we should start there. Did I miss that in the notes? I think you did. Sweet. You went right to the next one. You did it That's again, okay. buddy. That's all right. So, Ted, 
you have a great definition, and there's a couple of hard words in there, so I can't read it. Would you go ahead and read the definition for cancel culture? So I'm glad you said that, by the way. <laughs> off of Wikipedia. Which is true. Cancel. Can I talk now? Sorry. Yeah. Ted's going to tell us what cult cancer culture is. Cancel I'm culture. trying to. Cancel culture. Ow, now, brown cow. Cancel culture, or call-out culture, this is based on a definition from Wikipedia, is a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online, on social media, or in person. Those subject to this ostracism are said to have been canceled. The expression, cancel culture, has mostly negative connotations and is used in debates on free speech and censorship. So that's the basic definition. And, and honestly, a good one, the first. Actually, that was good. Yeah, the first one I've I had. just couldn't pronounce the words either. Yeah, so. ostracism is tough. Yeah, that's I couldn't tough. see if that so, was an O or an A. Yeah. It turns out. It's an O. It's an O. Yeah. So now that we have the definition, so that being thrown out of for, for something you've said, something you've done, where did you guys land on is this a problem or not? Can I see like a show of hands because that may sway how I argue today? I like it. I like it. Just kidding. I mean, well, I mean, what about you guys? What are you thinking? Who, who would say number one, cancel culture is a major problem? All right. Okay. Who would be middle of the road? That's okay, but not as big a deal. All right. Any brave few to say I really don't see it as a problem? Do it. All right. There we go. Good. Love it. Okay. A couple more over there. So. This is a good place for us to start, to come across with this, to look and say, these things are happening. So, Phil, what are people getting canceled for? I mean, it really depends. Uh, when I think about cancel culture to begin with, one of the very first things that come to mind is the Harvey Weinstein, the Me Too movement. Now, there's something incredibly wrong that happened there, and it seemed necessary, in my perspective, to be able to call someone out how there would be sexual abuse, how women would be taken advantage of, men and women, to a point so that way people could advance. And once that started coming out, that seemed powerful. That seemed good. Then there's other contexts, which I think it's important when we're thinking about cancel culture. What is the context? In the news, if you're following it, Joe Rogan, big name, whether you like him or not, but that has been a big controversy right now. What started was he had recently some medical doctors in there talking about COVID, which were different perspectives and viewpoints compared to mainstream media, whether you agree with that or not. And then what happened was that was an outrage. Now, if you follow Joe Rogan, which I don't expect that all of you do, he is now uh, has the largest following, the biggest show across the United States. So people look to his platform and it's, it's a big platform. And so when they saw, I think it was Dr. Robert Malone on there, people started freaking out to the point that I think people from another side, the left, started going after shows, which he said some horrible racial slurs and other things that he said that were, I think, 12 years ago or so. And correct me if I'm wrong, but then they started going after that saying, we need to be able to cancel someone like Joe Rogan. So I think context really matters. We, we need to understand that. I know that maybe someone like himself has some crazy people on his platform. Um, and I mean crazy, just many different perspectives, many different ideas. And so I'm not saying that everyone has factual information there. But the point is, if we start canceling these voices, what is that going to look like for us? I mean, it, it has, I think it might have implications for us as, as the church. What does that mean? Does that even matter? I don't know. So that's that's kind of my first run after. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, if anything, with this, when we're thinking about cancel culture, I think there's a lot of different levels that we see throughout 
like society, right? And a lot of times it is those who have large following or the loudest voices or those who maybe pastor a, a mega church or something along those lines. And But there are a lot of different sizes of cancel culture where it can happen in a high school because you drive a certain car or because you, you go to this church instead of that church or because you said this thing or disagree with that. There are ways that we try to cancel people um, throughout our, our society. But like when talking about like Joe Rogan, like he's putting up a lot of bright lights for everybody to see, yep. right? Yep. And so when we talk about what we're talking about right now, it seems like is mostly those that grab our attention when you open up Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, not a lot here. Okay. Uh, but when you open those things up and you say, oh, this is who's trending and this is why, now my attention is being taken off of whatever I'm doing with my day because this person who I don't know, who I don't even listen to and I may not even follow, has said something that I don't know what they really were saying because I actually don't know who that human being is. But now we're talking about it in a room and you said, I'm going to go to that talk. One, well, and as we look at cancel culture, I think sometimes we can look at it and say, we get caught up in what's happening and we can lose sight of saying there are times that you have to have repercussions for things you say. You know, it's the basic play stupid games, get stupid prizes, right? There's a difference between saying you got canceled because you stood up for something you believed in and you did or said something stupid and your employer, people on social media, whatever it was, pushed back. Now, there's a mob mentality, right, which we can see happening more and more on social media. But I think we've got to walk this idea of cancel culture and make sure we measure it out to say, you know, I was impressed as we looked at the Joe Rogan thing, as you and I have talked about it. Well, I don't think we just talked, we argued. Yeah, we've argued about it. Let um, me explain how this often goes. We'll get ready to record a podcast and they'll be like, hey, we just had a really good conversation about this. And I wasn't invited for the phone call. <laughs> I've been canceled by my friends. <laughs> but the disagreement that Phil and I have had is that in this example of Joe Rogan and, and what he's done is, he has platformed some people. Yet, as I look at it, go, you shouldn't be platforming some of these folks. Now, whether that's Malone or, or other things, but he has responsibility with that number of followers. Now, what's been impressive to me is since some of this has happened, he has come out and straight apologized, like very low excuse meter, just saying, I did some stupid things. And I think that actually gives us some insight into how we can talk about it more as well to say, is cancel culture always bad? And can we disassociate it when cancel culture happens and it's not our way of thinking? Yeah, and I think where it gets bad is if there's no room for reconciliation. The fact that, you know, there is, he, he did the appropriate response. I'm sorry for these words that were said. And if there's another side that comes to it, says, I respect that. I think that's where that's needed, right? right. We, we need to be able to posture ourselves in this way, in this fashion. And because we're not, this is where cancel culture, I believe, is being dangerous. Now, you brought up the ideas. He's had some pretty crazy people that have been on his podcast. What was the one example that you Alex had again? Alex Jones. Alex Jones. And I'm not going to raise hands who listen to Alex Jones, all right? But he's, he's the InfoWars guy. InfoWars yeah. guy. Yeah. All right. So he has said some incredibly harmful stuff. And I think the, the big thing was what spoke to me was he was the one that talked about the conspiracy of the handy, uh, Sandy, Sandy Hook. Yeah. Uh, Sandy Hook School, and then that was just set up, which was incredibly wrong. He apologized for that. He knew that he was Joe wrong. Rogan. No, no, um, actually, um, Jones. He apologized that on Joe Rogan's show, which actually demonstrate that it's like okay, we can have conversations about that. And I think that's why Joe Rogan had him on his show, but then he also went into some other crazy stuff. So 
the point is, I don't appreciate what Jones has to say. And you can look this up on YouTube or whatnot and hear some of these conversations, or it may have been erased. Mm -hmm. However, the point is, we need to be able to have hard conversations, whether it's misinformation or not. And I really do appreciate that there's people out there that are willing to have that. And we should be willing to have that as Christians as well. Um, I think there's been some of these breakout sessions have talked about some examples like that. Right. And the more we can posture ourselves in that way, maybe we can eliminate this thing. Maybe we can show what that might look like. Well, and I think before kind of all of that, it's, it's important to recognize and see who are you listening to? Yeah. Who are you following? Who are you giving your attention and your time to? Because are they just doing this to, and we talked about this a lot with right, all things, right. are they just doing this to get attention and make money? Because the more listeners you have, the more money that you make. So I can talk about these outlandish things, whether I believe them to be true or not. I'm just trying to buy another house in Malibu, right? Which, by the way, I just saw an article that Joe Rogan is getting upped his contract from $100 million to $200 million. So the well, guy's I'm, doing okay. And let me... Let me and I want to let you guys know that we also are doing that with our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we are. One of the reasons we wanted you to be here today, would you get the plates ready to pass around? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, we're very talented at asking for money. Um, well, and let me, let me pull on a thread you had there, Phil, because I think that's an important part of this. Cancel culture, if we, lay, if we can take the overarching idea and say we don't want a mob effect, right? Like, we don't want, oh, we're all gang piling on and this is like, you know, the mob coming after someone. We don't want that. But do you get to keep a platform even through reconciliation? Because let's, let's put this in terms of the church, right? In the past five years, we've seen a lot in terms of abuse. If any of you have been listening to the Mars Hill podcast, what happened out there, as we've been seeing this place where church leaders, ministry leaders, a lot of stuff coming to light. And there's been some church bodies that move some of these folks into reconciliation, which I think is good, but then they replatform them. And so my question would be, how many times do you get reconciliation and get to be replatformed if you're just going back to the same thing over and over? That what Tanner said was true. We want growth. We want people to do that. But as all of us would disciple, as we would talk with people, we would say, listen, if, if we're walking through you with something you're struggling with, you know, if it's, you know, let's say it's someone who's struggling through messiness in marriage or walking alongside them, I'm not going to look at a husband and go like, hey, this is the second time you've had an affair, but we're cool. Like we've gotten to reconcile. Like I want to see a change. And, and so how does that fit into all of this too? Well, I think with reconciliation, there needs to be an active approach towards recovery. Right. And when you are recovering, you're not just done. You're, you're always constantly working through it. There's going to be accountability. So, for instance, you brought up Mars Hill, right? right, right. Driscoll. He is now pastoring down, well, here in Arizona. I'm sure he's going to be listening to this He's podcast. in town. Yeah, he yeah, loves exactly. everyday elephants. So <laughs> my, my concern is this. If he doesn't have accountability, which I'm assuming that he may not, then that's a problem. Right. If there's people walking alongside you, especially if you have that major platform, if you have screwed up and there's people that are, that are calling you out, keeping you accountable for what you've done, why not? I, I know he's a, a gifted, dynamic teacher. I may not agree with a lot of things that he has to say, mm -hmm. but there might be something there if he is walking alongside with other people. And we have to leave room for that. We can't just say no. And now I was moved by the podcast with 
the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't listened to it, you should. It's, I don't know, a good 24 hours of your oh, life. Oh, yeah. It's, but it's, it, it's really exceptional to listen to about power and what happens in the church. And, and I think that's good that that story and message was put out. Well, I was just going to say, when, we, when we're looking at uh, those who have been canceled or will one day be canceled, it kind of looks like uh, they are a leader on their own. So they don't have accountability, they don't have people around you. Like the most dangerous leader is the leader who is leading alone. Right? Yep. Where I get to do my own thing, I get to say whatever I want to say, I get to grow this thing at whatever pace I want to, and there's no regard for the people that I am serving, talking to, or whatever. I am just the star of the show, the bill of the ball. That would be my struggle in all of this is to say, and I'll talk about the church and I'll talk about society. In society, you have to be willing to do two things, either to read the culture and say, what can I say, what can I say, or to say, these are my beliefs and I'm going to stand for them, whatever consequences come, right? And that stinks. Like, that's rough if you're going to say, I'm going to stand up and take the hit. But as I look in the church, you know, as, as we look at some of this too, how much has been excused because we look and we say, oh, well, look at the ministry they've done. Because yep. it doesn't discount what people have done. But there are things that you can still be a Christian, but you may not have a platform. You may not be leading anymore. You may not do those things. And I get worried sometimes as the church, if we buy into cancel culture on the other side, because we got to remember for all of us alive in you know the late 1900s, how many Disney movies did we boycott, right? How many times did the call go out to say, Aladdin has a monkey in it and monkeys shouldn't be around humans, so we're not going to see Aladdin. And let's take a trip to Disney World. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there was there was always this call, and some of that's good. Like, we need, we need to be able to stand up. But if we deperson someone else because they have different beliefs, different outlooks, different things, we can look at those things and say, yeah, we, we disagree. But if we start canceling back, if we start taking and pulling others down, which I think I've seen a a lot of from the church side of things like I think we got to take a hard look at ourselves too to say how do we grow to make sure that cancel culture isn't something we've now dived in because we said hey they're doing it so we're just going to do it back I agree with that I'm with you but then what are the implications because of society what are the implications of what's happening on social media and not just large influencers but even um, our kids we were having a conversation last night about that when when our kids are also being canceled because of something that they may say you know there's a lot of isolation that comes from that mm -hmm. it's affecting not just bigger blue check mark people but us as individuals right and so how do we practice through that how do we how do we posture ourselves for that specific instance yeah so that's the question there's a lot of questions like also what is cancel culture teaching the students and the people of our church or the people in our house it's teaching us that we can say that this human life really doesn't matter because they decided to do something that I don't agree with. And so where does where does grace play and what is the church's response to somebody? Because cancel culture has become the new leper. Yeah, We don't touch them. We Did don't you? get near them. We don't listen to them. We had MySpace, right? All of us had MySpace. Oh, Anyone at MySpace page? Yes. Let's go. Bring right? it back. Come on, Tom. I think, it was, I think it was impossible to be canceled through MySpace because all you really did was put, well, if you didn't have the right friends up there, and the right music, then people would isolate you that way. But it was so different. And I'm thinking growing up as a teenager, I am not experiencing what Gen Z and younger generations are experiencing today. I, it's it's alarming. I would have hated now at 35, would have hated what Instagram and TikTok and things like 
I think what it would have played on my life back then. Yep. Because even like, you know, back then that feeling of loneliness, it was AOL instant messenger, right? It's like you sent the message to someone and then they didn't respond back. What was your instant messenger name? I'm not going to share it. <laughs> Fat Phil 15. Nice. Mine nice. was ha 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 14. <laughs> Still not going to share mine. <laughs> Mary, mom. She doesn't know. Okay, whatever. I did convince us to get DSL because so many phone calls. So kids back in the day, if someone answered the phone, the internet turned off. It was really annoying. After you dialed up, do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's a bad place. What was that? Blues? Blues? <laughs> Let's well, get back on track, sorry. Well, let's let's pull because we know there's disagreements, right? We know there's a back and forth of saying, I don't think anyone deserves that mob cancel culture. But I do think, you know, scripture tells us the tongue is going to be one of our biggest issues. If we bring it back to ourselves, we can talk about culture, we can talk about what's happening out there. But if we look at ourselves, do we have freedom under the First Amendment to say what we want? Sure. But it's that classic Lutheran thing, you know, I am a Christian, I am free, servant of none, but as a Christian, I am bound servant to all, which was just really bad paraphrased. So look at that, Luther's works, Ted edition. Um, Coming 2023. Yeah, <laughs> but I think there's part of that that we've, as we look at this, we got to say, how do we, how because we didn't talk till we blew about the blue check marks, mm -hmm. but when we talked to, you know, last night as we're talking in our Airbnb, what happens when it's affecting someone you love? In a, in a smaller space, when it's a student, when it's a friend, when it's, you know, someone in your family, and how do we walk through those kinds of things? I think initially it makes me nervous because of the society implications of what would happen with the church. And I think that's why we're talking about this. And I'm sure everyone else is thinking the same way too. But then I, and I think about another country, let's China, where information suppressed and you can't say certain things. And then you look at the Christian church in some of these places, and there still can be exponential growth that's happening, even if it's in a micro church, because they can't do like a large gathering. Right. And then we're so concerned about the local church in the United States. I mean, let's be honest. Was Jesus canceled? He was crucified. crucified. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like that's, that's I feel like that confirms it. Kind, yeah. of, kind of the end game. Oh. That didn't land well, but that's okay. Well, we got there. <laughs> exactly. We got there. Well, and I guess it's a tension, right, to say, how am I measuring what I'm saying to be loving, understanding, under the two greatest commandments, love God, love others, but where are those points where I have to stand up and say whatever the consequences are, but how do I do that without being a jerk, right? Well, you are. Sometimes. I know, yeah. Just kidding. You're great. Thanks. I'm the jerk. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tanner, you, you put a... You put a great note here as we were walking through this. Tell us about what you think. Cancel culture is a leopard. Dive into that a little more. Yeah, I wrote that last night. Um, let's backtrack just a little bit. I'm kind of thinking through this with the lens of kind of like uh, of what I do as a, as a writer and somebody who puts a lot of things out onto the internet. Anytime you create something, whether it's a sermon, a blog, a video, or whatever, you are putting your art, your work out there. And we have to understand that it's not just a gift, but it's something that people can say, I don't want that, I don't like that, I don't agree with that. So it is always a, it is a risk to be able to say, this is something that I have made, this is something that I believe, this is something that I create, because you're giving it to the world as a, as a gift, whether to, to help them or to make a stance and say, this is exactly what I know or what I believe. And you're allowing them to give the response back and say, I don't like that, that's not what I needed. 
I'm going to cancel you. So it is always kind of a risk to do that. And kind of what I mean about cancel culture is the new leper. Like, you know, we read through the Gospels and we put them on the outside of town. People who used to be next to you at tables, well, they something happened and now they're on the outside. So then what is the church's response to that? What was Jesus's response to that? And I think a lot of times we struggle to say, I'm going to go sit out there. Or I'm going to sit next to the person who did this thing that they shouldn't have done. Just because you sit next to somebody who did something they shouldn't have done does not mean that you're endorsing that. It's just what love looks like. Well, and that makes everybody uncomfortable. That's pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> way to go. That's why we keep Tanner around. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's really good because it's easy for us to get in arguments about the Joe Rogans, about the political figures we disagree with, about you know, who did this, who did what. And we should have some of those conversations. But I think what you're saying, Tanner, and what I love is the challenge to me to say, are there people that I'm actively canceling? And what does that say about me? And saying, if Jesus went to sit with the people that were not like him, if he went to, to see the people that were different than him, how quick do I judge someone because they either hang a pride flag on their front lawn or they hang a Trump flag on their front lawn? How quickly do I judge someone and I've canceled them. Like, forget the mob, but I've done it because I've seen it. There's so much relationship to be had with people who are disagreeing with us. The unfortunate thing is the Lord doesn't call us to change them. He calls us to change us. So I think there's something there for us to keep diving into, whether it's disagreeing on the big names, but looking and saying, what is it about me? So are you trying? Are you saying that we should cancel cancel culture? <gasps> <laughs> Well, I mean, have you thought about poetry before? <laughs> when we talk, <laughs> but I think when we're talking about this, like, what's you know, what is the church's response to it? And again, we kind of talked about this. And what, one of the things a podcast is is somebody reiterates what somebody else said with different language. So let me do that for there us you again, right? That's good. And so it's saying like we're looking at what it does, and we say we don't agree with it, but how can we come alongside you in this? Yeah, right. Which is a risky and dangerous thing because then your people are going to see that for what it is. Yeah. But I think when it comes down to cancel culture, like our first response shouldn't be to be loud or to make noise about it. We have to learn. And that's part of this podcast is we're trying to learn about different topic, topics, different subjects so that we are more informed. And I know there's a lot of information and misinformation. I think we did an episode about we that did. too. We did. Uh, but there's just a lot of noise out there. And so how can we not be part of the noise? Is that our place? Is be part of the noise? No. Does anybody need my stance on this? I no. Don't. You don't I need no, my I stance on this. I think part of the growth as we've done this podcast together is we're learning as three close friends. I mean, we've, we've, the three of us have walked through a lot together and I'm not talking like just, Oh, I had a bad day. Like we're, we have, we, Tears. Yeah, yeah, we've, we've cried together. We've, we've been in the dark night of the soul together and we deeply disagree on certain things to the point where the reason Tanner's sometimes not on the call is not because we don't want Tanner there is because Phil and I don't stop, and we know Tanner internalizes that and pushes it down. And so we... Uh, but I, I write about it later. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that works. Um, so maybe you should be on the call. That would be writtentospeak.com. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, even in the last three weeks, Phil and I have had a moment where, gosh, it was four hours we were on a FaceTime, and at the end we both were like, Hey, I want you to know I don't hate you. And then Phil goes, yeah, dude, I, I felt like you thought I hated you. <laughs> but 
the other thing too, as we were talking through that, we realized some of the words that we were saying in the heat of the moment, I don't know if you've been there either. No, it's just us. We just, just we weren't understanding one another. And I think that's the problem is we, we get to this one spot and we're going to hold our ground and we think that we heard something completely different when that was not your intention when you right. were saying that. Right. And I think that's part of the problem. And so it's important to validate, really important to listen, because there's a lot of things that I miss. And I know that I'm guilty of that. I need to be able to own that. And if I'm able to express that to you, even though I may think that I'm right, there's going to be much more respect from you across the table as we talk about this. Right. And we're going to be at a better place. And that's where we can truly love one another, reconcile. And guess what? You're my best friend, dude. That's right. Come I said on. that. Let's go. You too. It's on the podcast. I, and I, I think maybe there are some of you out there who are kind of like me where you don't know where you land on a lot of issues, where you're just kind of living in the greats. I don't know. And so I get to listen and, and hear what Chad says and what Phil says, and you left out of a lot of it. But I get to hear, I get to hear about it. And I'm often left in a place of saying, I don't know. And that's an okay answer. It's okay to not say, this person's wrong. This person is wrong. I don't know that person. I don't know Joe Rogan. He was the fear factor guy. And now he has a podcast. The world is your oyster, right? Do whatever you want. But like, you don't have to say, this is what I stand on. I know a few things to be true. I know that Jesus loves me. I know that I love cake a lot. And my dog's name is Pancake. And those are three things that I hold to and I know to be true. But when it comes to a lot of these big topics that we have on the podcast, I don't have a clue. I've done the Google. I've done Bing. I even asked Jeeves. Still not a clue. Don't know where I land. For those of you who were born in the 90s, Google that joke. So It's very funny. It or maybe is. you shouldn't use Google either. Oh, that's time. right. Yeah, that's, that's a whole new podcast. Could be manipulated. So, and I think this, this is where we're landing. Like this, in terms of cancel culture, we have to be aware. We have to be aware of ourselves. We have to be aware of the culture. And we have to remember that those people behind screens, because social media is the jet fuel on this, right? It just lights everything up because people aren't people. Even if they have a picture on, they're not people. They are the screen. So I don't have to worry about that. But as Christians, what we have to step back and say is, even as much as I would disagree with someone like Joe Rogan or, you know, whatever the opposite is, he is living in the Imago Dei of a created being. That's right. And so if I start going, well, I'm going to cancel him as a person, I got more work to do on me than I got work to do on him. And so as we kind of, we come to that to say, if this is the gospel, like Tanner said, just poetically, there's an awareness of, we're going to understand that culture's going to have and do what it's going to do. There's an understanding that we have to watch our own culture and fight back when we have a place to speak into it. But then personally, we got to remember, if I was first loved, then I need to love. Well, I was, I was also going to say, one of the reasons why we, we do this podcast, it's at first when we started doing it, and if you know anything about starting something, you always know that it changes. Uh, when we started this, it was like, we're going to showcase what does it look like to argue, right? And we didn't do too much of arguing today. But what happened was, now we have a better understanding. And in the last couple of years, we have heard again and again how important it is just to have conversations with people. And it is hard to do that because you don't know where somebody lands. It's like when you sit on an airplane next to somebody, you're trying to figure them out the whole time they try to talk. If they are one of those people, yep. if you're one of those people, don't sit next to me. But if you were, you know, <laughs> you're sitting there and you're trying to figure them out, 
And it's a scary place to kind of wade through where you just don't know where somebody else is at. But on the other end of that, whether you agree, whatever the outcome is, we know that things are going to be, you are going to have a closer connection and bond with this individual, and you're going to have a greater understanding of the topic that just was. And so now when you talk to somebody else about that same thing, where maybe you do disagree with them, hopefully there is enough empathy there to push in and to lean into that conversation that can bring forth something good, where you can say, I don't know about this, but I do know about him, right? And so that's kind of what these conversations have started to be for us. And I don't it's get therapy, to, you know, right? Yeah, it is therapy. Exactly. And it's pretty cheap. There you but go. you should still pay for therapy. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Let's do some questions and answers. If you have something you want to bring, a question that you might have about cancel culture, you could just stand up. We do have a mic in the middle of the room. Any thoughts, perspectives? What did we miss? How do you want to cancel us? I'm, I think I'm loud enough about that. Yeah, you're good. Um, I think, you know, uh, like he said, you know, we know some things are true. Lord died for us. We made the image of God. And uh, we also know that God is not partial, and he's not a respecter of persons. In other words, uh, he sees the heart, and we need to reflect that too, and we need to stand in God's truth, irrespective of the feelings they have in the culture. You know, I mean, we need to be able to say as Christians, hey, we're not going to use this word because it's demeaning and derogatory to another human being, period. Yeah. And we got to speak the truth in love like the Lord told us to. Because speaking the truth without love, that's just brutality, right? Yeah. And speaking and trying to be loving without the truth is hypocrisy. And we're not supposed to do either. Yeah. So if you're going to say we're offended because Joe Rogan looks like this and use that word, but if Snoop Dogg was on there yeah. and he said that word a thousand more times and you're not offended, then there's something wrong with you because you've been conditioned by a culture to believe something that's not true. Right, it, the word's offensive because it's demeaning to another human being. Period. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you if you're offended at Joe Rogan, but you're listening to hardcore rap music, but you're bouncing down the street, that's a that's something wrong with the individual. I think and needs to need to go back to God's truth and stand on that. To respond to that, that's a perfect conversation for you and I to have across the table to be able to bring up that point. And I mean, it is an excellent point because if you look at the lyrics of what he would have to say and you know, he's been on there before, yeah, there, there's something to it. I also understand my context pretty well and I may not understand what the other side of that looks like for other cultural perspectives and people. So I need to better understand all sides. And I think that's still what the heart of what you're getting at is to, to hear those things. But the problem is when we just eliminate and suppress those voices and not have any conversations about it all. That's the problem. And I know I, I was hearing you say that. So that, that was good. So thank you for that. Hi, uh, John Meyer, first time listener, longtime friend. Uh, Whoa, welcome to the show. <laughs> I guess if I was a really good friend, I would have been listening. But yeah, yeah, we were going to say something. Yeah, no take backs. Um, so I uh, really appreciate the conversation. I think uh, something that uh, sometimes gets left out of this conversation um, is that cancel culture is nothing new. Uh, it, it's been around for forever. Uh, but I certainly think in the past couple of years, it's been intensified because everyone, uh, the only place that you could go to talk to anyone was online. And I feel like the uh, social media has really intensified things. Um, even in, in our congregation, um, I, I can think of one specific example 
uh, guys who were uh, on the praise team together, who one of them has not returned uh, to the praise team because of uh, these two guys, their interaction online. Um, it, it was just, it was terrible how they treated one another. So um, the idea of coming together in a, a conversation, in a dialogue in this way, I think it's great, it's fantastic. Um, Write what, that down. What would be your suggestion um, for for churches, uh, church workers, um, to develop that kind of culture where they can get together, get beyond the social media. Beer. What's that? Beer? <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Sorry, John. Sorry. Uh, more of a whiskey guy. Um, so <laughs> That's true. Guess, what would be your, your suggestion for congregations? Because I'm, I'm Can I dive on this one? You have one minute. You have Thank one minute. You can only talk. Start it. Um, John, great question. And I think actually the theme of my best practices so far has been that kind of question. And I think it's something for us to say, whatever has happened, it's, it's done. We're not, we can't build the time machine and go back. We are where we are. What my brother, who's my teammate in ministry, and I have like learned and discovered is we, and this is not like perfect, but we just used to do very simple community things. Um, there's a local brewery, there's a local um, burger place that we just, first Fridays. At our church, we just call things what they are. So we hang out on a first Friday, first Fridays. And so we um, we just said, hey, Omicron's looking, you know, we're kind of in this. We talked to some nurses in our congregation. We're like, we need to get time together, an unstructured time to just sit. And I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I don't remember who it was. Oh, is it it Dan Potts gave a great um, talk yesterday about formal and informal conversation. And he mentioned, talk about the easy stuff first. Right? Just get back together and hang out. And be like, hey, how's your kid doing? Like, hey, what's, you know, how's your favorite team? What's your, you know, your favorite need? Whatever it is, we have those connection points. And what we've forgotten is like, we got to rebuild some of those things. They've been gone. And I think just simply the church sitting together. I'm over a minute, so. For sure, always. I, I have a rule, and that rule is. Always under a minute. Don't respond to anyone or anything on Twitter that might be, I'm going to regret. And I think it's a practice that we can encourage our people to discipline and, and to be able to speak into that. Broken that rule a couple times, and I've responded to a blue check mark person before on Twitter, and boy, did I get slammed by the other side. And then I, I was up for four hours trying to defend myself, my integrity, who I was as a person, because they didn't know who I was, because I didn't believe that they understood me. In the same way, if there is a friend or a loved one in my local church, in my context, I'm going to try to go to them first, but instead of replying back to the comment thread, maybe I will direct message them. Keep it between me and that person so I'm better understanding. So that way, I'm not getting mobbed by everyone else and possibly we'd have a better conversation. It kind of sounds like you just need to start a podcast with the guys and then things will probably come up. Exactly. But it, it kind of sounds like... Um, you see something that's not right, and maybe they don't know how to handle it. And so maybe that's a place for you or a place for somebody else. And uh, I hate to have to be that person, but sometimes I have to be that person. And sometimes people have to be that person for me. So blue check shirt here, yeah. I am uh, not a tech dog. I am married to my cell phone, but we're not, we're not, not on social media. 
problem that we're having is some really good friends of ours, both Christians and some but they're on one side of a political issue or on the other side of a political issue. Everybody's got these facts that they throw out and start discussing this stuff, and then the, then the conversation gets heated, and then it goes, let's just not talk about that anymore. Let's not ever bring up politics. It's just too heated. I don't feel that that's very healthy. That, that subject has to be mm -hmm. off the table. What, what do you guys, how would you handle that? We've got a number of friends that are on the other side of the political issue, and uh, we feel pretty strongly about you know, the integrity of some people that we're dealing with. Yeah. They feel on the other side of all the policies work with pain. Mm -hmm. Well, but you have those opposite sides. Close friends. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're probably the only one who's going through that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good luck, bud. Yes. No, it's... Um, we're navigating tough waters. And I've noticed in those situations lately, I have to look at me and start realizing even as deeply as I might hold something, is it something I've got to deal with? I have my my two sisters-in-law are both deep in the medical field. My One of my sisters-in-law, she was on COVID floors that started. My sister is a Yale-trained physician's assistant in Houston at uh, Texas Children's. The information I was getting from people who are like some of the most deeply trusted people in my life walked me through what they were seeing, experiencing, and knew during COVID. So that informed where I was. There are people that are my deep friends that would completely disagree with that. And it was hard for me because I knew what my sisters were walking through and I had to come to a point to say, right now at this time, I can disagree with other people, but I don't have to change their mind. Because it might take time. And it might be... Also, one second. It's never a good idea to go into a conversation being like, I'm going to change your mind. Yeah, just, never. This is going to work really well. And, it's not good. Well, and, and, no, no, you're good. The personal... Because I have gone into conversations like that. I know, you guys talk on the phone all the time without me. Yeah, and to be, <laughs> to be clear, I'm probably a guy that has opposed a lot of Ted's viewpoints with that. And I Which have- Which is why and, we talk on the phone without and, Tanner. And I'm in a different context, in a different place. My sister's a nurse as well. I'm receiving information. And we've gone back and forth about this. The thing is, sure, maybe, maybe the conversation was long, but here's what I'm learning when I'm having this conversation with Ted is it's important for us as Christians to be able to understand and be aware of what's happening with all these cultural and political tension because there's neighbors out there, they're gonna talk about these things with us. And it's important to be in the know of both sides. I'm at the point where I'm just trying to figure out the hypocrisy on both ends. And so that way I better understand that person. But I have an opposing viewpoint compared to Ted. Ted's one of my best friends. There's a point where we can agree to disagree, but we lean into some of these conversations, leave Tanner out, and uh, intentionally, intentionally, not really, but 
No, it, really. it's a joke. It's, it's I don't joke. know why we keep going yeah, with it, but thank you. it's there. Exactly. <laughs> she can see my soul. It but it's still so necessary. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us. My name is Ted. Tanner. I'm Phil. And this was Everyday Elephant. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thank you.